Jesus. We thank you and we praise you. We glorify you in the mighty name of Jesus. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive and that it's active and that it's sharper than any double-edged sword. God, we pray today that you'd use this word to change us, to challenge us. My favorite, to convict us. Father, we pray that you be glorified in this message. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you guys ever been reading the Bible and then all of a sudden there's something in there that you never saw and you want to know how Jesus got it in there after you've read it like 10 times before? Oh, it happens to me all the time. I'm like, how does it say that? I never saw that. Luke chapter 8, starting verse 1 through 3, it says, Now it came to pass afterward that he, Jesus, went through every city and village, preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God, and the twelve were with him. And certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom had come seven demons, and Joanna the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others who provided for him from their substance. Um, today is a day that we are going to talk about money. And I, you know, I got to tell you, man, as a preacher, you pray. This is the only Sunday a preacher prays that no visitors show up. Um, every week, you're just like, Lord, bring them in. And then on a day you're talking about money, you're like, keep them away. Because what happens when visitors come into a church that's talking about money, they're always like, yeah, he's probably talking about money every week. Listen, all of our sermons are online. You can look for the last 10 years. Man, we rarely talk about money. And so you've got to believe, visitor, and some of you that maybe are infrequenters or maybe if you're here every week, just believe that God's got you here for a reason such as today. Just believe that. that like, because it's funny because God will redirect the whole entire message for you. He'll do it. Here's what I love about this verse is that there's this feeling in the world that says that Jesus never used money and Jesus never needed money. So why does the church need money? And yet we find these women whose lives were changed by Jesus, verse three, and many others who provided for him from their substance. The God that created the world had other people that surrounded around him and used what they had to help him further his ministry. And so when you ask, and, and for those of you that don't know, we're in the middle of a capital campaign because we want to pay off this building. So this month, I've just been talking about things that lead up to that. Today's the day when we talk about the nuts and bolts of the money part. And what we are doing, it's very simple. I'm going to ask you at the end of this message, I'm going to ask you at the beginning of the message. We want you to pray and ask the Lord and say, Lord, how much would you have me to sacrifice? And, and then starting in January, we're going to give sacrificially every month for 36 months um, and hopefully pay off the building. It's really easy. It's, it's not a, a big ask. It's just you praying and asking the Lord what he would have you to do. And why do we talk about money? Because money is the means by which we're going to pay down the building. I mean, if you own an apple orchard and you can give those apples, we would appreciate them and we will sell them to pay down the building. Um, but the whole entire reason why we're doing it is for God's glory. People say, why are we doing it? It's for him. It's for him and him alone. And in this message this morning, it, it may be spiritually uncomfortable for you, but it's even more uncomfortable for me. You would think when a church says, let's pay off the building for God, that it wouldn't create so many questions, but man, it does. Man, it creates so many questions in people's minds and hearts. And I will tell you that this is going to grow you. It's going to grow us. 
And some people, I, I mean, my mom used to always say to me when she was upset with me, she goes, you would cry if I hung you with a new rope. That's what she used to say to me. And um, it doesn't matter what you talk about in the church, there's always going to be people that have issues with it. Like I can be standing up here like, hey man, we're asking everybody to give up their old socks. And people are like, why are we doing this? Like, is, is that in the Bible? I want to keep my old socks, man. Listen, if you're tucking the holes between your toes, it's time to move on. Amen. <laughs> This is what this message is about. I want you to realize that any money you give to God is something you should want to do because it's for his glory and the furtherance of the kingdom. That's all it is. It's just a means by which we can go and we can do great things for God. In Zechariah chapter 7, verse uh, 5 and 6, it says, Say to all those people, uh, excuse me, it's just verse 5. Say to all the people of the land and to the priests, When you fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh months during those seven years, did you really fast for me? For me, verse 6. And when you eat and drink, excuse me, when you eat and when you drink, do not in, eat and drink for yourselves. See, that, that verse was talking about Israel and the Messianic kingdom and the new Jerusalem. But the heart behind it is this, and the challenge to us is, why do you do what you do? Why is it, man? Because God's asking Israel, like, when you fast, who do you do it for? And when you do this thing, who is it for? Is it for you? Is it for me? Because oftentimes in a church, people come into a church for a whole lot of different reasons. But, but the number one reason a lot of times in people's hearts isn't for him, it's for us. Oh, I want to make friends. I want to be part of something. And I want to have this and do this. And, and, and when you give money, do you give money just because you're hoping to get money back? Do you go to church just so you can have friends? Do you, do you live, for life, your, live your life for you or for him? And I'll tell you this, man. Be my friend for a moment. I never like to start my message with an apology. I think it's the worst way to be a, a, a preacher. But can you pretend for a minute that I'm an actual human being? Can, can you just pretend that my, my name's Matt Crachunas. I was raised in the mean streets of Ballard. You know what I mean? This, this is not an easy message for a preacher to preach. I, I, I'm doing everything with my life to glorify God. And, and part of this message today is doing that. And so if it comes out the wrong way, can you please not walk out of the church today and shake your fist at the heavens and cast judgment on me when I'm doing the best that I can for the glory of God? This, this is a fair biblical message, but because of relentless grumbling and complaining from people in churches since the beginning about money, anytime a pastor talks about money, it's uncomfortable. You're, you're going to see in this message today, Paul had, the, Paul had this problem with churches as well. It shouldn't be. It really shouldn't be. But people go from the nicest people on the earth to something completely different when it comes to money. They'll leave churches. They'll attack pastors. They'll, they'll, they just lose their ever-loving mind when you start to talk about money. It shouldn't be this way. Money's all throughout the Bible. It's, it's just as biblical. Some, some of you going through this message is going to be so uncomfortable. You're, you're waiting me to, for me to get back to preaching about how sinful you are. <laughs> you're like, Can we get back to the part where you tell us we're vile and we need a savior? We'll, we'll get back to that. It'll be fine. My kids ask for money almost daily. And I still love them. They say, I say no a lot. But I still love them. Those life suckers have been taking money from me since the day they were born. Their sports teams ask me for money. Colleges ask for money. High school asks for money. Hospitals, political campaigns, missionaries, nonprofits. But I don't get upset about it. 
I don't get upset when the basketball team and the volleyball team and the track team and the swimming team, I'm like, who do they think they are asking for money? Let me show you in the Bible why you shouldn't say that. I just don't get it. An advertiser can change your heart to make you want to buy their junk. And you give in to that advertiser to gain the adoration of men. And if a preacher talks about your money, you want to attack the man of God who's trying to get you to do big things for Jesus and his church. You don't get so upset with advertisers that you throw out your television, do you? I'm tired of them asking for money. TV be gone from thine house. You just watch and you go, I ain't buying a Lexus. I don't know what they're talking about. You're inundated with advertisements that are trying to get your money from you, but you still let them do it. And if a preacher, either I or anybody else, is taking advantage of you for money, they will go to hell for it. Yeah. And, and if hell's torment is equal with the amount of fleecing that a preacher may do, give more so the torment will be even worse. Yeah. <laughs> Philippians chapter 1, very clear. Paul says, you know what? For false motives or for pure, I care not. I care that Christ is being preached. Can you believe that God is powerful enough and strong enough to destroy a preacher that is in it for the money? Yes. And, and again, I, I start to, and I have to clear some stuff out because you start to talk about money and people just really don't even know how this thing works as a church. It's called a non-profit. The profits go to Jesus. They don't go to individuals. I have a set salary. I get it monthly. And when more money comes in, it goes to do other things in the ministry. This isn't a stockholders meeting. This is a non-profit People say, you know what, I totally trusted Matt until he started talking about money. Really? Who, whose money is it exactly? Who, who's, whose money is it? I don't, I don't own this building. Like, people get this in their mind, like, oh, you know, Matt wants to pay off the building so he can have a building. What? What kind of world are you living in, man? I could walk out of this church today and quit, and somebody else will come in and take over the church. That's how a church works. All I'm simply trying to do is have a long view of saying, you know what, I'm 44 years old. I'm not going to do this forever. I want this church to endure past me because it's actually not about me. And so the long view is, you know what, why don't we set up that young man who's going to take over this church in 20 years and he can walk in and say, you know what, pastor, we did this for you. So at least you don't have to worry about whether or not you've got a place to meet for this church. You're going to have more than enough problems without having to deal with that. But the one thing we did for you is you've got a building that you don't have to pay for. It's the long view. No one owns the building. The organization does. Faith and Victory Church Incorporated. In 1 Chronicles 29, they talk about building the temple. And I love verse 16 and 17. It says, Oh Lord our God, all this abundance that we have prepared to build you a house for your holy name is from your hand and it's all your own. They, they went to, to build a temple for the Lord, and at the end, they said, we've taken the money that you gave us, and then we built something for you, because it was yours in the first place. It all came from your hand. I know also, my God, that you test the heart and have pleasure in uprightness. As for me and the uprightness of my heart, I have willingly offered these things. And now with joy, I have seen your people who are present here to offer willingly to you. Offer willingly. Yeah. 
And that's all I'm trying to do in this message is trying to get you to offer willingly to the Lord. And people say, well, uh, are you trying to coerce you? Yes, I am. It's what I do every week. (laughs) Every week is a coercion. Every week I stand up here and jump up and down and scream from God's holy word that you would change your thinking to glorify God. That's all it is. I don't know what he's trying to do. That's exactly what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get you to die to self 100%. The last little pit of your heart is probably money. I want you to get it down in your spirit so you can give willingly. Let me go off note here for a minute here. It's funny. Crystal and I uh, talk about tithing. Tithing is a non-issue for me. It's done. I have no emotion about it. It's just, it's what I do. And But what it is teaching me in this season is if I can be unemotional about money, I can probably be unemotional about other things as well. It's breaking me of my emotion. It's bro- it has broken me of my emotions, so now I can move on to other stuff that I don't have to be controlled by my emotions. It's actually not even a very big number that we're trying to pay off. Uh, this church building, we bought it for $1.2 million. We owe $1 million. House across the street, we bought it for $300,000. We owe $200,000. We owe $1.2 million. People say, man, that seems like a lot of money. It's really not, man. Like in the grand scheme of things, <laughs> I know a church in Bellevue. <laughs> it's really funny when you think about it. Their lease. Does everybody know what a lease is? Yeah. Lease, it, it rhymes with fleece. <laughs> They're leasing a place to meet in and they pay $100,000 a month to lease. Lease. I know another church, someone whom you do not know. I don't, these are the people that I just meet along the way. Moving into a new location in a business park and they're paying $750,000 in their build out. <laughs> in a place they're leasing. And when we're like, man, let's, let's just all come together. I mean, literally, the, the $1.2 million is like three people's houses. Like, it's, it's not even a big number. The childhood home that I grew up in Ballard that was built in 1918 is worth $900,000 in Ballard. And here we are, a place where we worship God for 1.2, and people are like, it seems like a really big number. Dude, you can buy a dump in Seattle for 600000 but this is a pretty nice place where we worship God, man. It's not, it's, not a, it's not a huge number, man, at all. If everyone in this church would tithe, that was pause for effect. <laughs> Honestly, if everybody in the church would tithe, we could pay off this building in one year. If everybody would tithe, we, could, we wouldn't even have to do a campaign. It would just be paid off in one year. And I get it, man. Everyone's in a different financial situation. But God's word gives no provision for those who manage their money inefficiently to be exempt from the support of the Lord's house. Crystal and I, it took us nine years to get out of debt. We had over a hundred and something thousand dollars worth of debt. We never stopped paying tithe. Why? We got ourselves into debt. God didn't put us into debt. Why am I going to shame God and not pay my tithes because I've messed up my own life? I'm not going to do that. See, talking about money is only uncomfortable for people who love their money more than God. It's uncomfortable for people that don't tithe, that aren't generous, that are ruled by their money, that aren't saved, that want stuff they don't need. Listen, man, you are, I am the chief of wanting stuff I don't need. Okay? Come look at me with Amazon and I will show you treasures that you have never seen. 
<laughs> just worthless junk. I mean, there's stuff I want to buy. I get it, man. I don't know why. I wish I could be a guy that didn't care about anything. But there's just little trinkets that I want that I don't need. But Jesus says, Matthew 6, 24, you cannot serve God in riches. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in mammon. Jesus made it very clear. You've got a choice, either serve God or serve your money. And so when a preacher says, hey, let's get you to break your love of money, you're like, I don't understand how this is biblical. Dude, it's the most biblical message that there is because it's the thing you love the most. So I get so tired of him talking about money. You wouldn't if you'd been broken of your love of it. You'd actually care about your brother and sister on the side of you. Like, man, preach that to them because they're in bondage to their money and I'm going to see them free. See, maybe, maybe you'll give money to an individual because you want their praise and accolades. Come on. And I say, man, let's give money to God. But you're like, well, I, I can't really see him. So why are we doing this? Listen, man, if God is real and God is watching, he knows every cent. And if he's real and he is, and if he's watching and he is, he knows exactly what is going on. Last week I asked you if you were saved, if you wanted to give God glory. Doing big things for God gives him glory. When you sacrifice and you give and you serve and you love, it gives him glory. People say, well, I don't understand how this is going to change the world. When, you know what? If you would act like a Christian, we would change the world, man. That's what churches do. The church, the, 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 the church in the world is the greatest force of good on this planet, man. It does the most good. It really does. It's one of the greatest stretches of your faith to give money because you ask, does God see my giving and he, will he take care of me? Because that's, that's really the challenge, man. And I'm, I'm about to get really honest. If I haven't even been honest, I'm about to get real. It's about to get real up in here. The, when you give, it's an act of trusting and saying, you know what, God, I'm doing this for you, but are you still going to take care of me? Am I going to have a place to live? Is my car going to run? Am I going to have food? All those things. Every week we say the same thing, and it's true. The, if you're a first-time visitor this morning, please don't give. Don't. And, and if you're a first-time visitor, you're like, why is this guy talking about money? Because this is what we're talking about, okay? If you're not saved, don't give any money either, man. Don't. God, God does not need your money. He doesn't want your money. He wants your soul. Yeah. And if you're not giving cheerfully and you're upset because, you know, you, you'd rather drink your Starbucks every month instead of sacrificing for Jesus... Dude, don't give either, man. Drink your, just drink your coffee, man. Drink it. Don't, don't give your money to God begrudgingly. I'm doing this with you or without you. Like, I'm going. Like, I'm doing what God has called me to do. I'm asking you to come with me. Leadership team is doing the same thing. See, what's hard about people that get saved is that, I don't know how you got saved, but when I got saved, it was an all or nothing proposition. And so I've grown in that since I was 15 years old. But you made a contract with heaven when you got saved. You may not have realized it, but you actually said to the Lord, everything I have is yours. You can have all of me. You can have anything that you want from me. And now when a preacher says, well, you know, we're going to do this for God. You're like, well, I thought uh, he was only getting 10% of me. Well, no, all of you. See, this, this isn't a message about tithing. And it's funny, tithing is giving 10% of your income. You, you should do that. And, and for some of you that are in this church, uh, I talk about sacrificing, but you don't tithe. And so you're like, well, I'm never going to sacrifice. Well, because you don't tithe. And so the idea of sacrificing when you're not a tither is just like, it's like twilight zone. You can't even figure it out. But 
tithing, uh, if you've never done it before, this might be a season where you just decide to be like, you know what, man? I've been hearing about tithing since I got saved. Actually, it's funny. People that aren't even saved, that aren't Christians, that don't even know the Bible can tell you about tithing. They know exactly what it is. The the issue is no longer whether you understand it. The issue is whether or not you're going to be obedient to it. And so maybe January is just the first time you're like, you know what, man? I'm done. I'm done fighting God. I'm going to be a tither. And, and, And praise God, man. Come along. Be with the rest of us. Let's go. You don't have to wait. Make a decision to start tithing and see what happens. This isn't a message about giving to missions, which you should do. Missions change his lives. This isn't a message about giving money to the poor, which you should do. It's biblical. This isn't a message about taking care of your family with your money, because you should. This is a message about you wanting to open up your hand to bless God's church so that more people would give him glory. How, how has your life changed in this church? Do you worship God more? Do you live differently? Is your family different? Is your, is your relationship with your spouse different? It's because people from the beginning said, you know what, let's give our money to change the world. You came in and your world has changed because of the ministry of this church. You, you hear a, a message that changes your life. It's because uh, the, the church is able to pay a salary to the pastor to be able to go and prepare these messages. You're giving God glory with your life. And these messages that I spoke in November, they build off of each other, right? I mean, if you go back and you listen of who we are as a church and why we have a church and why we give God glory. But, but, but again, the ask is very simple. We're, gonna talk, we're talking about money. I just want you to pray this week. It's funny. You pray to God how generous you, he wants you to be and see what he says. Just ask him. People say, God doesn't answer my prayers. Start asking him about your money and you will hear it like a bell. You're like... See what, see, see what happens. And he'll never, God will never ask you not to give. He won't. The issues of the heart now are no different than back in Bible times. People want money to do what they want. But the Bible hasn't changed. God still, I mean, watch this. Man, I could talk about this for so long. Tithing predates the law. Sexual immorality predates the law as well, as long as we're talking about it. Abraham just gave tithes to Melchizedek because he was just wanted to honor God with his first fruits, man. Now listen, Crystal and I, my wife, have literally committed, I actually thought about it, I, I didn't tell the truth first service. Uh, I, I said in first service that we have committed to double our tithe uh, for the next 36 months, but it's actually a little bit more than that. It might be actually more like 11% more. Um, and, and I say that to you and people say, well, you shouldn't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. Uh, listen, first Chronicles 29, uh, when they were going to build the temple, held up the money and said, this is what I'm going to do with my silver and gold. And he challenged the people and said, what are you going to do with your silver and gold? What I don't want is I don't want people to sit around like, well, you know, Pastor Matt said this and he's probably not even given dude in for a penny in for a pound. Crystal and I already tithed 10%. Surprise. Like, why would you go to a church where a pastor wouldn't tithe? <laughs> you want me to do it. You just don't want to do it. You know, I was like, he better tithe. Well, I'm not, but he will. Above and beyond that, Crystal and I also give uh, to missions and to offerings. So our giving's already 15%. And we're going to add another probably 10 or 11% on top of that. So for the next 36 years, our giving is uh, 36 years. 36, 36 months. 36 months. Lord. <laughs> For the next 36 months, we're going to give like 25% of our income to the Lord has need of it back 
Do you, do you love your job so much that you just, at the end of the month, you know what, boss? I just, I want to give 25% back. Just love working here. Love what you do here. And I'm not grandstanding. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be biblical. I'm trying to lead you. I'm, I'm trying to make sure that in every part of your heart, you understand, I'm not asking you to do what me and Crystal are not committed to do. And I get it, man. Money pays your bills. Money plans for your future. It, it, it's recreation. It's stuff. It's experiences. That's what, that's what money does, right? When you give more money, you can't eat out. You can't go on the fancy vacation. You can't, like, I've, like and literally that amount of money, I think about the stuff that I want to do to my house that I've been talking about for years. If I took that money, I could put those windows in in the side of my house or I get my bathroom redone or all these other things. But I'm like, you know what, God? Why don't I take care of your house first before I take care of my house? So, so the scripture that says, you know, your houses are lined with cedar, my house is in ruin, doesn't apply to me and my life. I'd much rather take care of your house first and we'll take care of me later. Yeah. All of you think and talk about money. And when the church asks for you to pray about sacrificing, the immediate thing you start to think about is all the reasons that you shouldn't. Yeah. And somehow all of your reasons start with who I am as a person. Yes. I don't get that. I don't get that at all. Because all of a sudden, like I, my, my, my body is laid bare and you look through my life with a fine tooth comb of all the reasons why, well, you know what he's doing with that money. It's like, you know, I wear this jacket, right? It looks pretty handsome. I've been wearing jackets a lot lately. And people say, Where, where'd you get those fancy jackets? I'll tell you where. Pastor Christian in Iowa was gaining weight. And so he sent me three of these jackets, man. Hand-me-ups. Hand me you know what I'm saying? Must be nice. That's yeah, real nice. Yeah. He's my spiritual son and he gained some weight and gave me some jackets. <laughs> Found these Levi's on the clearance rack for $18. Yeah. Rocking it. I just make it look good. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, I literally buy 90% of my clothes at Costco and Walmart. That's it, man. People say, you know, people see this gold ring, like, yeah, but he wears a gold ring. You know the story about this gold ring? You know, I was raised by, I was ra- some of you do, I was raised by a single mom. My dad left when he was three years old, when I, when I was three years old. I've had a strained relationship with my life, with my dad for the last 41 years. And this is his ring, and he gave it to me like 15 years ago, because he doesn't know how to tell me that he loves me. And so the Bible says, honor your father and mothers. And so, you know, I honor my dad by wearing his ring. Even though people hey, preach with a gold ring. You know what? I don't care what you think, man. I want to honor my father. I want to honor my father. The bottom line is people love their money. We want as much as we can get from it because it, it equals security. Here, here's some truths about your church. We have never had a month in 16 years where we haven't paid our bills on time in cash. In 16 years, the only debt we've ever had is this building. And, and again, we pay extra. We've paid down $300,000 of debt in the last five years. People say, how long have you been thinking about this building campaign? Since the day we moved in. This is just time to do it, man. We need to get rid of the debt. People say, well, you know, what's really happening with this money? Do you realize that the staff at this church, um, uh, most of them are on state medical? Oh, it got real quiet, didn't it? Yeah. Have you ever thought about the fact that the, the couples that work for this church get one paycheck for two, for two people? Does that happen at your work? Do, do you and your spouse go and work together and you guys share that one paycheck? 
No, but that's what we do in this church. Why? Because I'm not trying to make riches. I'm trying to, I'm trying to make the kingdom. And I don't mean in a bad way, but like, honestly, like before we went full time, the ministry, my, my next step at my job was like 250 a year. And that was like back in 2007. If I were a career path, I'd be making like five, $600,000 a year right now. I'd be in sandals at a resort in Fiji. You know what I'm saying? It's just not what I want out of my life. It's, it's not what I, it's not what I'm about. You notice at this church, we never take up second offerings to take care of stuff. Never. Oh, we got new doors. We, you know, the furnace went out, you know, a new parking lot. Or, you know, we had to buy this thing. We even were able to buy another building across the street and never had to take up an offering for it because we manage our money effectively. This isn't even a have to. This is a want to. We're already paying $3,000 extra dollars a month on the, on the building. It's just because we want to do it faster so we can do more for God. We, we, we want to take back that $400,000 in interest that the, that the uh, bank wants from us. I don't want to give them $400,000. 400, you know how many churches we could plant with $400,000? Do some big stuff. Here's where you and I may differ. And if it hasn't stung, it's going to sting right now. You ready for this? <laughs> the only difference between you and I may be that I've already decided in my heart that I'm never leaving this church. I've already decided. And I, I don't mean it. I, I just like, I've already settled it in my mind. I'm either retiring and handing it off to another young man or I'm going out feet first. I was talking to somebody, a man up yesterday. I'm like, man, I can't wait for the end. If the Lord tarries, God, God, give me 85 by strength, please. I just, I want to be, I want to be shuffling around at man up with like hair growing out of my ears. You know what I'm saying? Talking about the good old days. You know what I mean? Some whippersnapper up here doing stuff. Be like, you know, back when I used to preach. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to sit in the back and not be able to hear. I don't know what's going on. (laughs) Investing in the legacy of faith and victory is a no-brainer for me. But some people have short-timer syndrome where they're like, you know what, I'm only going to stick around until I don't like that guy anymore. Maybe today's the day. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Crystal and I have easily given over $150,000 in tithes over the last 28. Uh, I've been saved for 28 years. We've been married for 21 years. We prob- we've probably given at least $150,000 in tithes over the last 21 years of our marriage. You say, well, that's kind of a big number. Let me explain to you why I tell this number. And this is why I want to just be as real as possible with you guys. This is real money with real life. Yeah. You talk about this stuff in your own house. My, my retirement account that I have, I never had a retirement account until the last like four years because I never wanted to take any money for retirement. I never wanted to do any of those things. And so my retirement account has like $30,000 in it. And I don't know, I don't think it's really enough to retire on. Um, <laughs> but if I would have taken my tithes of $150,000 and put it in there, I'd have, I don't know, quarter of a million bucks, $300,000. I'd be sitting pretty for my retirement. But I don't care about retirement. I care about the kingdom. And even now with the money, some people say, well, you know, you put that in with compounded interest. Yeah, it's true. It really is good. But God's taking care of me up to this point, And so I'm just not going to worry about it. I, I know that God's going to take care of me. And, and some people might be uncomfortable with me talking about money. But, but I want you to understand that money is real. And when I make these decisions, I don't make it haphazardly. My, my kids go to Green River College. Why do they go to Green River College? Because I care about the kingdom where I care about what sweatshirt they wear for college. Yeah. Yeah. Go Gators. Like, I just don't care. 
I drive a 13-year-old car. We live in a house up in Timber Lane where someone was murdered a couple years ago behind our house. It's a 1970 split level, right? We bought it for $190,000. Our payment's $1,600. Holla. So, um, <laughs> I, I just, like, and, and so, like, with the extra money, I could go buy a new house. I could have a bigger payment. I could go buy a new car. Like, I just, but it's not what I'm about. It's, it's not what I'm, what I'm trying to do with my life. I want to go, oh, my God. Gosh, I want to glorify God more than anything else in my life. God has taken care of me up to this point, and I believe that he will take care of me past this point, man. I really do. That was the intro. How did it go? Is it good? All right, let's get into the meat of this sermon. I wish. You know, I... I wish you knew what it was like going to bed on a Saturday night, chewing on this thing, just like, (laughs) man. And then the attacks that come for the two days after. It's great. Love it. You guys can't wait for me to get back to talking about sin. It'll be fantastic. All right. Here's the sermon. We should lay up our treasures in heaven. Matthew 6, 19 through 20. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures. The true meaning of that word in the Greek is actually money on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Um, That that scripture's real, man. Like everything that we invest in God's church is something that will be an investment in heaven because the church is the only thing that's going to heaven. Nothing else, not the building, but the building is a means by which we gather the people to glorify God, to become part of his body. We've talked about this in previous messages. It's the most difficult thing to fully submit to God. It's an act of the will. And, and, and for you know, my Calvinist brothers, they're like, well, it's only God that does it. And it is to a point. But in my life, I've noticed that like, I'm good to a point, And then I, like, I got to force myself to fully submit, man. And so when we lay up our treasures in heaven, it is anti-American. Because in America, it's best house, best car, best college, best retirement, best stuff, best TV, best phone, best vacation. I mean, I was in Costco yesterday. (laughs) Bless God. They got 65-inch Samsung TVs on sale for $47.99. For $479.99. For a 65-inch TV. I need that. I don't know what... (laughs) Like, I... (laughs) I've already got a television, but I, I can find a place for that. You know what I mean? Maybe just across from the wall in my bathroom or something. You know what I'm saying? It's just tough, man. But that's what they tell you. That's what you need. I've often thought that there are things I will never see or do. I'm, I'm probably never going to go to an all-inclusive sandals resort with the over, like the blue water with the over thing, with the glass, you know what I mean? In Fiji. I'm probably never going to do that, man. Maybe. I don't know. I'm probably never going to see the Great Wall of China. Um, and, you know, but a couple hundred years ago, no one ever saw anything farther than 50 miles from their house anyway. But we live in this Instagram world where we're just like, I deserve to see that. You know what? Pay, pay and get a streaming service where you can watch documentaries. It's a lot cheaper. You know what I mean? Because if what Jesus said is true, I want true riches. I don't want the world's riches. Giving money to God is the complete opposite of what the world says. The world is hoard and and, and keep it for you. The the kingdom says, give it away. 
Acts chapter 4 describes the earliest disciples giving up everything for the gospel. They set a high bar. They set a high bar. People say, well, you know, I want to go to a biblical church. Great. Sell everything that you have, lay it at my feet, and then I'll decide who gets what. Because that's what they did in Acts chapter 4. People are like, let's talk about this sacrifice thing again. That sounds like it's really good. Let's, uh, let's work from there. Repeated scriptures challenge us to put no faith in this world, no faith in ourselves, in anyone or anything but Jesus. But money holds the last part of our hearts. We treasure it. If it had no value to us, it would be easy to give away. Yeah. One of my neighbors a few years ago asked for some rocks out of my yard. I was like, dude, take them. Because they have no value to me. If he was like, can I have 20 bucks to go to Home Depot? I'd be like, I'm not sure we're there yet, bro. <laughs> the truth is, we should be a generous church. We should lay up our treasure in them. We should be a, a generous church. Philippians chapter 4, verse 15. Watch what Paul said to the Philippian church. He said, now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. See, Paul had this issue even back in the early church where he was like, you know what? I'm going out preaching the gospel and all these churches should be supporting me to, to preach the gospel. But everybody said no, except for the Philippian church. And he's like, you know what? So I love you guys. Good job. I want to be that church. Yeah. I want us to be that general, generous church. You know what's funny is that's in Philippians chapter 4. Uh, and, and, you know, Philippians 4.13. I talked about that last week. I can do all things through Christ to give me strength. That's actually a scripture about money. And people say, oh, it's the uh, sports verse. No, it's the I'm going to give God my money. I'm going to trust God with my sustenance verse. Yeah. Yeah. Thinking about sacrifice, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Yeah. Let that be us. I don't care what anyone else is doing or what any other church has done. Let that not be said of us. Let that not be said of us at all. The Bible makes it clear in Revelation chapter 4 that our works follow us personally and corporately, that, that, that God sees the works that we've done as a church and as individuals. And, and so we want to be a church that has good works. Again, if everyone in the church tithed, our giving would double and then some. I have plans for next year for our church and, and campaign or not. Like I found an organization. We can build a church building for $14,000 in like Honduras or Bolivia or something like that. We're going to do one of those next year, right? Uh, we've already built houses in Mexico. Uh, you can do $10,000 for that. But you figure if we had no debt and everybody tithed, we'd probably have like a budget surplus of like a million dollars a year. And it's like, well, what can we do with that? Well, we can buy some of these houses, create a parking lot, put our final house here, and then we have extra money to be able to go and do stuff build churches yeah. do plant churches you know be able to support like dude do you know how painful it was for me to be bivocational for four years growing this church it almost cost me my marriage and my life yeah. what a blessing it'll be for that next young man that we can support him financially to be able to plant a church yeah. and but when we live on the edge of a budget folks it's difficult you know pastor ong uh the international christian church in renton we got into this building they gave us ten thousand dollars to help us get in here and, and, and I, don't, I don't think you guys understand how much it takes to be able to uh, manage a church. Um, somebody was telling me about they figured it out financially. It, it costs like $12 for you to just come to church on a Sunday, whether you give or not. After toilet paper and HVAC and all this other stuff, it's like, it, like you stealing toilet paper costs a lot of money too, you know? <laughs> That is a real sermon. People see, people see those extra rolls on the back of the toilet like, man, I need this. Hallelujah. 
When you're out of debt, it breaks open the doors of generosity. And it's the same for your house, man. When you're out of debt, it creates opportunities for you to be generous. When we as a church are out of debt, it gives us opportunity to be generous. Another challenging verse, 2 Corinthians 11.8, I robbed other churches taking wages from them to minister to you. Dude, let that not be us. We're getting near the end of this message. I want to help people. Excuse me, I want to help Jesus reach people. And it goes back to that Luke chapter 8 verse and many others who provided for him from their substance. And that, that was one of the most surprising verses that I found this week as I was going through this. Is that all the talk about nobody doing anything uh, to help Jesus is just a false narrative. These people helped Jesus do what he needed to do. When Jesus said, go and get a donkey, uh, they helped him to go get a donkey. When, when, when they poured oil and, and Judas said, well, this money should be used for something else. I mean, Judas was the keeper of the money in the ministry. Jesus sat in the treasury and watched who was given money. I mean, money has always been a part of ministry. And so me, I want my money and my riches to help further the kingdom. That's, that's what I want my legacy of my life to be. Um, ministry takes money and it takes money now, but the people then and people now should see value in doing it, man. See value in doing it. Um, who, uh, and, and this is always dangerous to see, how many people that are here this morning got saved in this church? Does anybody raise your hand? Okay. It's worth millions of dollars. It's worth millions of dollars. You pay a million dollars for a surgery to save somebody's life. How much money would you spend to save somebody's eternal soul? And that's just this service, man. I've seen lots of salvations. It's worth it all. I have a friend in Oregon. Oh, rounding the corner. A friend in Oregon, and he's probably one of the richest guys I know. And he dresses like a... (laughs) He has the same sweater. Every time I've seen him over the last eight, it's green. It's got a hole here. He always wears shorts, and he drives an old 86 Civic or something like that. And the dude has more money than anybody I know. We went away for the weekend and he's there with his spreadsheet, like moving stuff around. I said to him, I said, bro, why are you always like trying to thin out your budget? And he's like, I can give God more money, man. Like that's what it's all about. I mean, this is a guy who paid off his house and then rented it out so that, excuse me, he did not rent it out. He let somebody else live in his house for a year and went and rented an apartment on the other side of town in the worst part of town because his kids were getting too soft because they thought that that's how life was and he wanted to show them how the real world was. I want to give God my best. Malachi chapter 1, last verse. Malachi chapter 1, verse 7 and 8 says, You offer defiled food on my altar, but say, In what way have we defiled you? By saying, The table of the Lord is contemptible. Verse 8. And when you offer the blind as a sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it then to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you favorably, says the Lord of hosts? The, the, that scripture verse is very clear. Is that In the Old Testament, they offered sacrifices of animals. And what the people figured out is like, God ain't real. He ain't watching. Why don't we just give him the, instead of giving him our, our best lamb, why don't we give him the ones that don't, can't see and the ones that are sick because we're still giving a lamb. And God's like, you know what, man? Why don't you pay your bills to the governor with that and see what he does? And it's like, dude, I don't want to give the government my best. I want to give God my best. Amen. I want him to have my first fruits because he's the, he's the most important thing in my life, man. And, 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 if, and if you're not there, all I do is just ask that you pray. In the end, of the sermon is the beginning. Just pray this week, man. Ask the Lord. And next week, we're just going to come make a commitment. We're going to start in January. And we're going to change the world. Amen? Amen? Amen. Would you close your eyes? Would you bow your heads? I've seen people get saved in a tithing sermon before. 
So if you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus. And you just figured out, man, I, I do love my money more than I love Jesus, but I want to be broken of that. I want to be a Christian. I want to walk away from the world. I want to, I want to follow Jesus. If you've never made that decision before and you need to do that for the very first time, we want to pray with you. I just ask you to raise your hand and say, that's me. I want to give my life to Jesus. Is there anybody that needs to do that for the very first time? Anybody far away that needs to rededicate? Say, I've been far from Jesus, but I, I need to give my life to him once again. I want to walk with him. I've been so far from him. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I pray that we'd be a church that glorifies you in everything. Father, that you'd be glorified in our lives. In everything, God, not just in our money, in everything, the way we speak, the way we think, the way we act, what we do with our lives, God, that would bring you glory and you alone. Father, we pray that everything that we would do would be for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Why don't you stand up?